This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to the Idea City Podcast. For more information or to watch talks online, go to ideacity.ca or check out the Idea City channel on YouTube. Hello, and welcome to Idea City on the Air. By the end of the next half hour, you'll be inspired and enlightened by the world's biggest ideas, innovations, and breakthroughs as you hear about them in talks from the planet's smartest people. Moses Neimer's three-day annual Idea City conference in Toronto has been called Canada's premier meeting of the minds, and we're glad to have your mind with us. In this episode of Idea City on the Air, F.H. Buckley speaks about restoring the promise of America. Now let's join Moses as he introduces Frank to the stage. Okay, our next speaker, Mr. Buckley, compared the American congressional system of government with our own parliamentary system, and he, uh, well, he held out that our system was superior. So he's now got a new book out, just in time for this astonishing election coming up, and it's called The Way Back, Restoring the Promise of America, and what he's saying is that America can come back if it becomes a little more like Canada. Mr. Buckley. Good to see you again. Good to see you again. Thank you for coming. Uh, I don't know if you've noticed, but there's some weird stuff going on down there. Right? It's a great time to be down there, and it's a great time to be a duel, right? If you're a duel, you get to say, now, you know, there's another way of doing things, right? And so I'm down there, I'm arbitraging the endless American fascination with all things Canada. Hmm? Um, so what do you say about what's happening there? I mean, I mean, Bernie Sanders? I mean, look, they're running out of toilet paper in Venezuela, and you've got a guy who calls himself a socialist, and he's, he, you know, he did rather well, actually. I mean, even if it was the socialist light you know, social democratic form he espoused. Nevertheless, he had one thing going for him. He wasn't Hillary, right? And then there's Trump. What do you say about that? Well, I've got good news and I've got bad news. So the bad news is it makes perfect sense what's happening. And the good news is there is a way back. So. Let's try to make sense of it. Here's what nobody much gets. This is an OECD measure of economic immobility. How to explain it? Look at the number of 0.5, 50%, which is supposed to line up with the UK. It means that if you in Britain earn 100,000 pounds more than people of your cohort, your son will earn 50,000 pounds more than people of his cohort, which is pretty aristocratic, right? I mean, that's what you expect, hey, it's Britain, right? 
But then look at where the United States is. It's right up there with Britain and Italy, right? So that, I think, is the big secret of what's going on, right? The idea of America is this is a country where whoever you are, wherever you're born, you can get ahead, you can rise to the top with a certain amount of industry and effort and talent and all that, right? Whatever it takes, guile, luck, whatever you want to call it, you know, but, but you can do it, all right? Only it doesn't seem to be happening now, right? And that's crept up on us. And, you know, a lot of people will deny it. The perfect Republican idiot will deny it, for example. And I guess if you pressed him, he would probably say, oh, it's because of our marvelous K-12 school system or our perfect immigration system or our wonderful rule of law. Cretinism does not descend much lower than that. So one of the good things that seems to be happening is the complete repudiation of a brain-dead Republican establishment tinged with Randism and a lot of kind of bad stuff. Uh, a party that thinks that the way ahead is a perfect 59-point plan. You remember Romney had a 59-point plan? You all remember that? Some, everybody, you know, does somebody remember one point? You know, just one? You know, Bueller, no? So nobody remembered that. Here's what we remembered. We remembered, he said, 47% of Americans are schnorrers, right? 47% of Americans are takers. And you know something? I'm a taker. You know what? I got a home mortgage interest deduction. And by the way, I've got all these, you know, great conservative friends of a certain age who've had to go to the hospital recently. And they tell me, you know, if it weren't for Medicare, I mean, I'd be bankrupt. Okay? So they're, they're sort of catching on. And we're all takers. And moreover, by saying that 47% of the Americans were going to vote against him, Mitt Romney in August of 2012 just conceded the election. So goodbye to him, right? So that's what's going on, I think, right? Now, mobility was the American dream. It's associated with Lincoln more than anyone else. It's not associated really with the founders or the framers. It wasn't a big topic in Philadelphia in 1787, right? Back then, if you had asked people, they would have said basically, hey, the last thing you want is democracy because, you know, the common people, they can't be trusted. They were fine during the revolution when they were, you know, tarring and feathering Tories, but now we have a problem with them, okay? Um, that came later. The idea of mobility came later, and it came principally from Lincoln. Uh, you know, a really moving idea of what America was all about. And the idea is everything in old Europe was left behind, right? That country or that part of the world from which most Americans came, apart from those who were brought involuntarily as slaves, those people thought they had left an aristocratic country and they were country, coming to a country where their kids were going to get ahead. Right? That was kind of the dream. And where's the dream now, right? So look at this. Canada is kind of cleaning up. So here's the interesting thing, right? Here are these two societies side by side, and Canada's doing extremely well, and the United States is doing garbage in terms of mobility. And here's my take on American politics. 
Marx, you see, had a problem with America. Marx said, you know, Marx's theory is, uh, you know, you go from feudalism to capitalism to communism, and in 1850, the most advanced capitalist society is America, only it wasn't going communist, but Marx said, well, it's an exception, American exceptionalism. What's the exception? Well, social mobility. But what happens when you don't have social mobility anymore? Marx would tell you, that's where you get Bernie Sanders, or maybe Donald Trump, right? People who are taking on the establishment. And so you end up with an America where everybody is a Marxist. You have two kinds. You have a left-wing Marxism that would seek the goal of social mobility, right? I may call that socialism. They would seek out socialism, socialist ends through socialist means. Whereas I think the secret to Trump is he recognizes which, that which the Republican establishment didn't. There's a problem here, Houston, right? We have a problem of immobility. Let's get back to Lincoln's vision of what America was all about, right? Call that socialism if you want, but a different kind from Bernie Sanders. Now we're talking about socialist ends achieved through capitalist means. Those are roughly the choices. And you know what? Canada is the example of socialist ends and capitalist means. Coming up after the break. If you're in the bottom 10%, you have about a 50% chance that your kid will be in the bottom 10 or 20%. Not good. Welcome back to Idea City on the Air. You're listening to F.H. Buckley speak about restoring the promise of America. So has mobility become the Canadian dream? Right, are we Lincoln's country right now? Now here's something that just blew me away, right? This is all the difference between Canada and the US in terms of mobility is the top and the bottom 10%. Here is the bottom 10%. Look how Canada in red is pretty much equal. In other words, if your father was in the bottom 10%, your kid has an 8% chance of being in the top 10%, that's pretty darn good. You know what that is? That's good schools, you know, a pretty good university system, all of that stuff, you know, Medicare, all of those things. Now look at the United States. If you're in the bottom 10%, you have about a 50% chance that your kid will be in the bottom 10 or 20%. Not good, right? And here's the top 10%. Right, and, and you know, again, the, you know, the Canada's pretty flat. So you're in the top 10%, you know, there's a good chance your kid's gonna be in the bottom 50% or maybe the bottom 10%, whatever, right? And then look at the top, right? About a 50% chance, if you're in the top 10%, your kid will be in the top 10 or 20%, right? I know what that is. Linear algebra was for MIT, Tocqueville was for Chicago, Crew was for Princeton, where they don't want brains, and forget the damn violin, that's for Juilliard, right? So we knew how to play the game. We knew how to get our kid into the best schools. But if you were in Iowa, no, not, not quite so easy, right? So Canada looks really pretty admirable by comparison with the US here. Here's another thing. 
Um, the drop-off in red is basically the Great Recession. And notice how it hit the U.S. and didn't hit Canada. I mean, the U.S. at that point embarked on all of these programs, a TARP program, Dodd-Frank. You know what that was? It was consumer protection for billionaires. Give me a break. Canada missed most of that, thank God. Right? But, you know, forget unemployment rates. What's really interesting is how people are withdrawn from the labor market in the U.S. So it wasn't supposed to be like that. So how come everybody switched sides here, right? So I want to talk about the palimpsest of politics. You remember the name of the rose? And the, the, the palimpsest is where you have a text, and then you could sort of see underneath the text, they wrote, have written over something else. And so I want to say of Canada, you know, our liberalism in Canada is written over a subtext of deep conservatism. Right? That's why Canadians can do, you know, occasionally really noble things. And I'm thinking here of the Syrian refugees. You know, politicians, they're basically buffoons and rogues. But curiously, they're on occasion able to do something noble, like, you know, the welcome for the Syrian refugees. Meanwhile, the United States doesn't want to take anybody, right? which is doubly ironic because they caused the problem in the first place through their stupid foreign policy, right? They caused the problem and then they walked away from it like a toy, like a child in an antique store who broke something and just walked away from it, right? So Canada's deep conservatism, not so obvious, but it's really there. I mean, here's education, right? But look at Canada, it's right near the top, and we have these great K-12 schools. These are PISA scores, 15-year-olds, and America's terrible. So there's something else going on. You know what I think it is? I mean, you're gonna laugh, but you know what I think it is? Like, when I left Montreal, I had had my choice. I could have sent my daughter to, you know, English Catholic, French Catholic, French Protestant, English Protestant, Jewish, whatever. It was state-subsidized. And you know what that meant? Competition. And here's the thing about competition, you don't see it working, you know, you just buy stuff. So when you have competition with respect to schooling, eh, you know, it does this stuff. You know, my suggestion for American politics is uh, take the $63 billion of the Department of Education, block grant it to the states, take the building on Independence Avenue and turn it into a hotel, Trump Hotel, <laughs> right? And then there's, this is immigration, and this is huge. I'll tell you something, yeah, you know, the Canadian Syrian refugee policy is really admirable, but here's the background. The background is the Canadian immigration system is a system Donald Trump would love. You know what they do with illegals here? Well, they give them a refugee hearing, but after that, it's, they, you know, the tickets on a plane and sayonara, right? <coughs> As for the kind of the legal immigrants you're taking, Canada admits about 160,000 legal immigrants a year based on economic categories, which is more than a country 10 times the size of Canada does. 160,000 a year Canada, 140,000 a year US, right? And you gotta fine tune this stuff. You know, and the provinces get a say totally different in the states. You know, if you want to make sense of the states, you know what you have to know? 
of Americans. Only trust their government. It is an extremely low trust, highly corrupt society, right? And Canada is entirely different. Trust is absolutely fundamental. It's the, it's the cement of society, right? And this is a relatively trusting country. Never mind they're idiots. But it's a relatively trusting country. And in America, you'd be a fool to put much trust in people. So, you know, it, it's all very well to say, for example, oh, look at those idiots down there, you know, they're supporting Donald Trump and all that. Yeah, but you know, like I say, there's a reason for that. Amongst the other stuff going on, income immobility is a big issue. Let me tell you about corruption, right? You know, you can't walk around the district without bumping into these guys who are ambassadors. And they're pleasant people, they're amiable chumps. They're donors. They don't know a clue about foreign policy, right? Now, there are some good foreign policy people in the United States, and occasionally they're ambassadors, but they don't go to Paris or London. They go to Benghazi, and it's shameful. I have a number of friends in New York who are donors to the Clinton Foundation. I don't think I know the bad ones. I know, you know, I know decent guys. You know, they give money, and occasionally they might want the opportunity to put in a good word for somebody worthwhile. In other words, it's not for themselves. They're the other kind. There's guys who want to clean up, right? But you, you know, you go down there, you know, and. Very soon after you get there, somebody's asking you for $10,000 for a campaign contribution. And by the way, it was very comforting at the time to say, well, <laughs> excuse me, I'm a Canadian, I can't do that, you know. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, I lost that. But it is, it, it is in many ways a country whose corruption is quite extraordinary. And what's happening right now in America is something that happened in 1776. In 1776, England was about the freest country in the world, right? They were rebelling for freedom, give me a break. They had a problem with their taxes, the amount in question was the price of dinner in a movie, right? But they didn't like corruption in Britain, and boy, it was corrupt. 1776 and 1787 were about corruption. And historians said, the founders and the framers were having what he called a Machiavellian moment because Machiavelli too, describing 15th century, 16th century Florence, talked about Republican virtue as an antidote to the monarchies of the time to George III. We are having another Machiavellian moment in the United States. That's why Trump and Sanders are two sides of the same coin because both of them are responding to this you know, really noble American sense that we're better than that. And we kind of see what happened, right? And we're all pretty disgusted by it. And we don't like being told, well, you've got to make your compromises, right? And we want to say enough, enough with that. Hey, I'm out of time. Actually, I have some questions for you. If if it hasn't been clear so far, Frank is a Canadian-born who lives and works in the United States and has just taken on American citizenship, so he's a dual citizen. Yeah. Right. Now, I want to ask I you a question. I go both ways, yeah. <laughs> um, I've heard it said, 
possibly is a rumor, but that you are actually involved in the Trump campaign. There are a lot of people who are involved in the Trump campaign. All, do they I mean, seek your advice? All you have to do, well, all you have to do is send them an email, and I guess you're an advisor, right? I will say this. A little coy. Plugging my book, there is one book only that the Donald himself plugged publicly over the last year, and that's my book. Ah. Let's get a picture. Okay, all right. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Idea City on the Air. Catch Moses Neimer's Idea City Conference live every June in Toronto or on regularly scheduled radio and TV shows throughout the year. And find hundreds of talks online every day at ideacity.ca. For more information about Idea City, find us online at ideacity.ca, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or youtube.com slash ideacity. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.